for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the second episode of the third season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was called A Philadelphia Story. So you guys, we are having the hardest time figuring out what this title means. So we absolutely invite you guys to give us some feedback on that. We looked it up. There was a Philadelphia Story movie, but it doesn't quite fit, at least at this point. Maybe it's a little bit of foreshadowing. Maybe there's something more to this, but we totally invite you guys to let us know what you think. Let's get talking about Miss Rebecca and this flashback all the way back to when they were teens. This is picking up exactly after we have buried Jack. They've moved into sort of this, seems like a rent home situation, and they're trying to figure out how to move forward, house hunting, whatnot. Paul, this is the first time that they've utilized Jack's voiceover, so far as I can remember. How did you feel about that? A little ooked out, but it felt, I, felt a little cheap to me. They did something very interesting with that that is unusual that a lot of a lot of shows don't do. They circle back later on. This is not just her remembering some random thing. This is they're going to look at a new house today. And it reminds her of her and Jack going to look at a new house a little while ago. And so that redeemed it somewhat for me, for sure, because this is actually more like she's remembering a conversation and less like she's legit hearing voices, because I really don't feel comfortable having Jack be this voiceover in their life. It feels like we haven't had that in season one or season two. And so it feels funny and like sort of inconsistent. You know, there was a million conversations that all of them have had with Jack and we've never had them do this voiceover. But we've never had this time period either. And we know that this is the time period that, I mean, they, this out, this episode, this episode outlines it, that Rebecca is coming apart at the seams and she can't, she cannot help her kids. So is this sort of like a, like a hearing voices kind of ish part? Because like she is like coming up apart at the seams. I don't know if it is in the clinical sense as much as it is everything is just still reminding her of Jack. Yeah, that's a super good segue into the two coffee mugs on the countertop. And like we see the little thing about like there's still like mail coming in his name, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, uh, I mean, I can imagine how painful that would be. It's it's so bad. I felt like it was a really good pick-me-up to quickly follow that with the Howard University acceptance. Randall gets accepted to to Howard and he's super excited. I thought that was a nice follow-up to our previous episodes where Jack and Randall had visited Howard University and we got a glimpse of how comfortable it seemed like Randall was. And it really like led me to believe that he actually went to Howard University. Now I question it. As some of you may know, I watched the first season's sort of to get ready just to start podcasting the second season. I didn't really watch it in the same kind of week in, week out way that I that we typically watch things. It was more like cram it in. And and so little details like that, I've forgotten them. So it seemed like one of those things like, I thought he went to an Ivy or, or, or something, but Howard, maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, so it just seemed like, well, I just forgot. But you're saying you don't know either? Thought because the buildup with the visiting of the college with Yvette and her son. Do you remember Yvette Paul from back at the swimming the pool? pool? Yeah. And so, and did you know that Yvette what is Sterling K Brown's real, real life wife? No. Yeah. So that is part of it that about why she kind of keeps coming into the fold. That's a little like, Hey, I got the Emmy as Sterling K Brown. Uh, my wife needs to continue to be in this. So she does continue to be in this. And I feel like there was so much comfortable interactions with with her and with their family that it just feels like, you know, it was finally a little lifeline for Randall. That's, that's the big theme. Even though this is Kate's episode in terms of the plot, I would say like the the feel, the the actual soul of this episode is all Randall in terms of his 
lifelong inability to feel like he belongs anywhere. I mean, it's it's incredibly sad. I mean, when you when you combine the adoption, you can you combine this this very different lifestyle of the inner city life versus this a more much more posh suburban living. It it is so different, so opposite that you know, it's how could you live in both worlds? How could you really straddle both worlds and have anybody sort of take you fully seriously? You know, it seems like you're right. very you're in or you're out. That's exactly exactly how it works. So there was a huge chunk of this episode that really revolved around Rebecca and Randall hashing a lot of things out and a lot of decisions that were made that were really between the two of them. Makes a lot of sense to me because if there is any one of the kids who seemed the closest to Rebecca, she said he's easier to love in previous episodes. And I felt like it's so ironic because he seems to be the one she can talk to as close as she could talk to Jack, which is just like the biggest irony with the way that this episode ends. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they they do um, the this huge crying scene about Howard University. I mean, what right at the end after she hugs him and everything and she leaves and she's like, oh, I need to go tell, you know, everybody else. She is like visibly breaking down. Do you think it's just the loss of the one confidant she she has left? I think so. And I think that the other two, Kate and Kevin, are so spiraling in their own way. It's interesting how they're sort of being given this pass as like, well, they're grieving. You know, Kevin's drunk all the time. Kate's eating. You know, I'm having this hard time. And yet Randall seems to be the most stable of all of them. Again, is that that funny thing of like, you don't even belong here? Like, again, in that same way, like, you're not as grieve, you're not grieving as hard as we are. Well, I mean, I could see how jackasses would say that. I mean, I'm not a person that, that emotes easily. So I'm afraid I probably get that accusation. That's not fair to that person. You can't tell just because they're not carrying on. I totally agree. And I mean, if anything that the theme was, is sort of like everybody handles situations very differently. And um, I mean, that is like absolutely highlighted, underlined, boldface by all these different characters. Let's talk a little bit about this house hunting and how this whole thing sort of like comes together here. That realtor gets uh award for most awkward walkthrough of the year, right? Yeah. I mean, my God. And way to save it when she's like, have you guys seen the backyard? <laughs> I mean, that was really good. I I know we all knew that Kate hadn't sent in that Berkeley um, tape. Do you yeah, remember that? I mean, right. we knew that. And so it wasn't exactly like this big bombshell to the audience, but it certainly was a huge bombshell to Rebecca. And I am so like Randall where I'd be like, it's still good. It's still good. You know, you can, you can tell him this, you can tell him that. And to have Kevin be just so... I, I I don't know, like dismissive of like, she said what she's going to, you know, she, she made up her mind, Randall, like that kind of stuff. I just yeah. felt like, oh my God, Rand, you know, I mean, again, Randall's like pushed out. Like it's like Kevin and Kate, you know, they get to make the decisions and like, you just need to shut up and man, how painful. Now, I was very surprised as they did this walkthrough that Randall sort of builds up this steam of anger. You know, I, we really haven't seen him take the bull by the horns in the way that we did here. Rebecca's standing out in the backyard. Again, she's sort of reliving this conversation of a previous house walkthrough. And, you know, Randall is like noticing everything. Kate's eating. Kevin's drunk, which, hello, how does nobody like right. noticing this kind of business? And Randall's words, though, were really strong. It's almost, it's funny because we've had two seasons of Randall as an adult, but it seems very much foreshadowing the forthright ability that Randall has to be able to go up to somebody and just tell it like he thinks he sees it. You know what I mean? 
Yes. Right or wrong, he's gonna he can do that, and old and adult Randall can do that. I guess you're right. I I I, I guess I thought that the words were were uh, more blunt and more cutting than I expected. You know, to say you said you'd take care of us, but you lied. You know, like that's a little different than saying you're falling down on the job. Like, you know, it's just to look at somebody. I mean, I know how you feel. If I look at you and I say you lied, like that is very different than me saying, um, you know, I don't think you're doing your best. I don't, I don't think you're, you're really living up to what you said you were going to do. But when you pull out lied, I feel like it's like, ah, you know, like arrow to the chest. I mean, uh, I believe you uh, uh, subscribe to the idea of using strong words <laughs> to incite action. I, I absolutely do. And, and I admit that. And I, I am, that's why I said, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit Randall in these situations where I, you know, sometimes I feel like you got to just say the truth. My grandparents were farmers and there's a little bit of this like self survival part that comes from like that. You can't mince words, you know, like in order to survive, you just have to be blunt, you know, cause like yeah. things just have to get done. You know, you don't, right. you don't have any room for error or misinterpretation. So I, I did appreciate that. My most favorite characteristic of Randall, however, is that he's quick to apologize and he does apologize to Rebecca and and it does offer this really kind moment where Rebecca comes clean and really explains how difficult it is for her to get up every day and for her to to make it through. I, I think that that was extremely um realistic and one of the things that I think makes this is us very successful. You know, I saw it another way. You remember last season teenage Kevin kind of has a chip on his shoulder about dad going through AA and, you know, is, is needing to follow his book and call a sponsor. And he really looked down on his dad. And, and there was that moment where Jack sort of apologizes to him. And I thought, and we had discussed that and it's, and it's like, it's sort of, and it's sort of Jack wasn't wrong in any of those things that he was doing, but, but apologizing like he, like he was, sort of weakened that possible moment where there could have been some positive setting straight of the other person. You know what I mean? Uh, well, and yeah, so, he like lost the upper hand, if you will, in right. many ways. And so the the way this scene played out was Randall says he apologizes mentally, emotionally, I think, lets Rebecca off of a hook that she could have left herself on. But instead, listens to Kate say, I've gained 25 pounds and says, well, we've all had a bad year. And that's that's the end. That's how that I, I think those things fit together like Legos. I see what you're saying. So you think that if Randall was like, you know, too bad, like, you know, we're still kids and you still need to. Yeah, tell maybe the line. something like I regret being hard on you, but we we still need you, mom. Or, or maybe even. If not you, then we need to get somebody else in here. Like, I don't know who, you know, I'm not sure. Uncle Miguel, perhaps, steps in yeah. as a guiding force. I don't know. But it does seem like, you know, somebody needs to be called in for backup. How did you feel when we saw that scene where Randall ultimately decides to call and cancel his admission? Heavy hearted, um, because... He legitimately seemed like Howard was where he wanted to be. There were friends that he already knew there. They were. Yeah, that party that he went to where everyone was so excited about him being there. I mean, you caught the moment, right? When he decided he ultimately couldn't go. Yeah, it was the dancing with the. With the mom and the and Yvette her, and her husband, yeah, and her husband, and how it must have made him feel to know that his mom didn't have anyone to, to dance with, mm, per se. That's so, such a sad statement, right? Yeah, because uh, you know I, we we subscribe in our household to the to the concept that you know you can't really avoid the rain, but you got to figure out a way to dance in the rain, and uh, and that feels legit. Like what's going on right now, like 
he can't allow her to lose her ability to dance in the rain. We'll find out. I mean, it feels like that's a factoid that we should already know. Just Well, here's the deal. So we kind of do know that, Paul. And I and I know you might have missed this little nugget because you, you joined us at different parts in the, in the show. But they show a part when Kate um, is staying home and, and they have they have this little bond where they watched like TV all summer together. And they sort right. of like provide each other a support system. And it it does seem to help Kate. Now, what is interesting is it will be um it will be a reveal what broke that up. Like, you know, uh, if I recall, you know, uh, they were having this good summer, and then it was sort of in that um that episode, I believe, or near to when they show that Kate is a waitress and that she had ultimately gone out to L.A. with Kevin. Yeah. And so at some point they abandon Randall because he doesn't go. I feel like we're going to witness some version of another. You don't belong. You're not going to L.A. with us. That kind of thing. You know, is it just feel like the hits keep coming for Randall? Is it just me? Well, yeah. I mean, this was supposed to be Kate's season. Kate has a lot of very heavy shit that goes on, and, and this episode is no exception. And but they, it's still like they still. Uh, and Kevin has a very light story again this week, and so it's like they've saved a lot of emotional punch for for Randall too. Agree. So let's get into um, present day Randall. He has this this really really beautiful scene with his girls after school. I love him. He's like, "You got through the first week of school, Froyo." Love it, love it, love it. Again, immediately though, they take Tess and Annie out of the situation. Like yeah. immediately. Now, I find that obnoxious because there is absolutely no reason why Deja, Tess, and Annie shouldn't have gone to the community center. Like, why shouldn't Tess and Annie learn to step with the other girls? Or well, one had legit curric- extracurricular, right? Yeah. And the other one had something scheduled. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, from a story writing point of view, was there really a good reason to separate them? Like, would it have change the story if all three girls had come and and learned some things with the community center hmm. well here well it gives them a little room to grow because in this episode we got the whole you're not from here you're not one of us kind of thing okay and so by leaving his daughters in the burbs but taking his adopted daughter to the hood then it's it 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 helps it helps that. Okay, so I mean, we know that ultimately Tess becomes a social worker, and it's very likely that she wouldn't have that experience had she lived every waking moment in the burbs, right? Yeah. So there must be a time when he starts to realize that he has got to bleed his life over into Philadelphia. Yeah. Where the story is. Where the story is. What an interesting weaving of the story between William and Chi-Chi and Sky to the present day Sky and Chi-Chi with Randall. Did you appreciate how they showed how essentially William planted the seed with Chi-Chi and brought her and her daughter over to the community center, which basically became this like touchstone then that Randall could now, after William's death, still come back to. Did you feel like that was well done? <laughs> that woman, Chi-Chi, needed a lot of softening up. <laughs> and, and, and that William took well, on the brunt of that. To be honest with you, there were a couple of things that William said and did that were coming from a kind heart. But when you look at it as a single woman in a very inner city situation, I mean, he came to her door and he was sitting in her apartment. She has an infant in her arms. And he says, so are you alone here? And she kind of, yeah, there was she a kind moment. of took a took a gulp there. Yeah. I mean, you understand that there is a, a part of, you know, needing to be protective of herself and her baby. Sure. So she couldn't be like, yes, I'm totally alone. <laughs> you know, like right. she really needed to not look like a babe in the woods. I, I felt like they did a good job of expressing that because it came across all the way through to who Chi Chi is today and her conversation with Randall. Um, you know, Randall comes in to to give Deja an opportunity to visit with Sky and sort of have this 
you know, um, moment where maybe she could feel a little bit of the connection back to her old school, back to the way that she um, had been living her life. And Chi Chi was really good at pointing out like, Randall, you just got here. And like, if in the next, you know, in after sitting here for five minutes, you think that you're going to make this a better place than like, look around. It wasn't children at the community center only. There were a lot of adults. Yeah. And sort of to dismiss that all these adults had never made an effort to improve their lives was a pretty harsh judgment on them. And she calls them out. She says, you never stop to ask, like, what our stories are and, like, why we do the things we do. Like, did you ever think to do that rather than put on your Randall cape and think that you need to just handle it? I side with Randall. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. So you totally. Now, let me ask you this. Would you have have handled it in the same way? Would you have gone down to Councilman Brown's? No. <laughs> well then, what the hell? You side with Randall? Well, I'm more of a cheerleader. Uh, I, I would have sent off some angry emails. I would have maybe called a reporter or something. Uh, you know, just something to draw attention to what needed to be done. Um, I believe you've seen me operate on these kinds of issues. But I mean, yeah, you're right. He did. Um, assume that nobody had tried anything. He really did. And I appreciate that she was sort of like, dude, we call every day. You know, I do feel like I'm the type of person who would have gone ahead and called the councilman's office, figured out where his barbershop was and show up there. I definitely feel like I would have done that. What an absolute disappointment that man was explaining that entire story about how his father had fought to keep the community center open. And then he was a deciding vote to close it down. If I was Randall, I'd be like, I am barking up the wrong tree. You know, like we have an old model netics, you know, can he, will he, this guy maybe can, but there's nothing about him that says he will. You know, even the promise of the maintenance crew coming out that day, which holy moly, talk about a bold faced lie. I mean, it didn't go anywhere. However, I am also the girl who would have absolutely stopped at Home Depot on the way home and fixed the small things we could have fixed. You know, getting up on a ladder and changing that light, it was actually doable. You know, like most street lights, you can't get tall enough. You don't have the right light. To do it. Yeah, the whole thing. You don't have the right light bulb and you don't have the right equipment to get that high, you know? But if you could do it, And you could ask a couple of people at the community center, like invite them to be like, you know, um, can you do the next three? And then can you do the next three? I feel like maybe you could have actually made some progress. Do you think that was his Achilles heel thinking he needed to be a one man show? He does seem to only look at problems in the way like a lot of us do, which is how can I solve this now? You know, instead of is i i don't know that i've seen him delegate really i mean that one time kevin came along he just invited himself you know and started just swinging hammers and and very <laughs> true knocking down walls and stuff very true and actually if you recall he was awful at delegating at that little like the first apartment meeting that they had he just kept being like i'll take care of it i'll take care of it and like he never really was like if you remember beth wanted to prioritize the list and wanted to figure out ways to like actually attack it yeah as opposed to like the just like i will physically come and fix that so he does have a lot to learn in terms of like you have to give up some amount of control how'd you like beth when uh, he calls and says so there's this rec center it's really beat up and she goes let me guess you want to buy it i thought she was on point per <laughs> use before we head over to beth i do want to just like do a like a really quick that really harsh interaction between chi chi and randall it was with love, but it was still so harsh. It, it it really mirrored for me, Randall talking to Rebecca, you know, it was sort of a flip of that, of him mm. saying, like, you are lying to us. You are not doing the right thing. And, you know, her being like, it's time to get home. It, it was almost exactly but flipped. You know, Chi Chi said, like, you're not one of us. You have, you know, replaced one down 8,000 to go 
you know, that kind of thing. And he, when he said, well, I have to get going. And she said, yeah, I know you do. That was very reminiscent, you know, of that same conversation. I'll agree about the emotional intensity, but the, the actual content, the the you don't belong the you here. You don't belong here. That that fits in with some other parts. Agree completely. I do want to go back over to Beth because we had been kind of had a deep desire to have a lot more Beth and Randall specific conversations and interactions. I appreciated the back rub of conversation and that entire like, I'll rub your back provided you don't give me <laughs> instructions on how to do it. Did that seem like something that was maybe trying to imply something bigger than just that back rub? Oh, man. I didn't get that out of that. I, I was. I got the idea that he tries to do something, whether it be fit in or or be uh, be loving and supportive of his wife. And someone's always trying to tell him he's not quite doing it right. Mm. And it was like and it might. And that is like on the teeniest, tiniest scale. But. Yet we have Chi Chi doing it on this blown up scale, you know, and okay. then, of course, later we have the whole Kate situation. So let's go ahead and just like run right over to that situation so that, you know, sort of wrap up his story. OK, they do head over to Kevin's premiere. You know, this is the second premiere that we've had for Kevin. And um, if you recall, the first one ended with his play where Kevin walked out of his play. And he actually went to Randall's office when he realized he wasn't there and sat on the floor and comforted Randall. I, I feel right. like yeah. Kevin's premieres are a bit jinxed because in many ways he was providing support for Kate throughout most of the evening. I definitely feel like Kevin's premieres are jinxed. You know, they oh, never yeah. seem to be where the whole family manages to rally around They're dramatic events. Kevin. Yes. Do you remember in okay, let me give you another quote unquote premiere. It wasn't exactly a premiere, but do you remember with the Manny and it ends up only being Miguel, Tess, and Annie who are sitting there? Right. And it was like, ha Because <laughs> like, Kate and Rebecca are fighting again. Every, they can't be around each everything other. Everything is falling apart. And it was like, oh Yeah, Kate Kate goes to a, a gig. And Rebecca yeah. goes and yeah. then they end up fighting. And Miguel basically like sticks around to watch the kids. And, you know, it, it just really feels like he's kind of. Well, he's he's worried about people taking him seriously. Do serious people take me seriously? Right. And what's the what do you think the answer is to that in this particular case? Is it a big fat no? Well, I think I agree with him that his dad was a serious person and. His dad took him seriously, and that matters to him. So let's get down to the big, fat owie on Randall this time. It seems like I know we normally would keep this to the end of the podcast, but since I really, you know, I'm trying to respect the fact that this is a Kate episode, we're going to still leave Kate to the end. But I want to talk about the implication that Randall is not a sufficient vessel to hand Jack's qualities down in their family. I think I know what Kate meant. She just meant genetic material in a very just basic sense. But, but I, is that who we all really are? Like, are we just really like our eye color and hair color and stuff? Which let's take a let's take a tick. Kevin and Kate are favor their mother. They're both like light haired lighter eyed as opposed to Jack, who is very dark in his features, you know? And so I don't know, really, were they going to yield children that looked a lot like Jack? Were they going to be little uh, dark haired little guys? The genetic connection is the benefit of the doubt answer. Otherwise, Kate's a bitch. Well, but you've been kind of towing the line that Kate has gone well, a lot of butchery in her. I mean, Kate is ultimately pretty selfish, right? I think that that's a better word. Like, I think bitch is way too strong, but I definitely think that she, as old as she is, and as much as she has always, always been a part of, you know, a twin triplet, however you want to look at it situation or a very um, close knit situation, it's almost surprising how selfish she can be, you know, actually to have both Kevin and her be pretty selfish 
kind of unusual to me in a twin situation, which tends to be a little more symbiotic. We have twins, so we kind of get that stuff. Or she points out a lot that her first thoughts used to be anyway, mostly about Kevin. Is Kevin happy? Am I doing the right thing to keep Kevin, you know, doing Kevin's business? But those times are pretty much over. And I can't really fault her for wanting to say, okay, now this is the life I'm starting with Toby. So I want to have a kid. And that's, that's not selfish. It's just all this kind of other stuff where, you know, she ruins whole events. She sure does. I don't want to get too in depth with old Kate right now, but I do want to say that I felt like Kevin should have read the room a little bit when he came over and, and Randall was like, how's the day going? He's like, oh, you'll never guess this, you know, and totally kind of just gossips to, to Randall because he takes Kate's information out of context, the comment. And I mean, obviously really hurts Randall. And I really really appreciate this is us the way that they use the lighting where the lights went down and then the light shone right on randall's face and they played that starting movie intro the 20th century fox fanfare to me what that says was game on Like you're about to see the real story of this season. Everything up until this point was just getting us to this beginning point. And now sit back, get your popcorn because the show's about to begin. Hmm. Good conclusion. I think stuff like that, that This Is Us does is so fantastic, so well thought out. And sometimes it's like mind boggling. Like, how'd you get the man in that exact position for the MGM, you know, logo to play and have the light shine in him right at this right comment? Like, it's like practically amazing. Sometimes I wonder if they work completely backwards on these things. Like, did they say we want Randall sitting in that seat at the let's work it all backwards from there? No, it's important that it's 20th Century Fox, because you remember, even though this show runs on NBC, who makes it? 20th Century Fox. (laughs) So, I mean, that really felt like Randall, who has been a combination of this strong you know, charismatic, energetic man, full of love, full of light. And at the same time, such a fragile, delicate soul. You know, I mean, we've seen him break down. We were told that he has had a a nervous breakdown before. And so it's interesting that this man can be such a a, a, a dichotomy, right? You mean that he's so together, but then so out there, just like... The fact that he can actually completely break down. It's one thing to be upset, but two nervous breakdowns, including quitting your job completely and not even having a career anymore. That's pretty serious, right? And, and that would kind of imply that you're a pretty fragile person, in many ways. And then at the same time, he's so strong. He has such, you know, um, just deep convictions, you know, hunting down the councilman at the the barber shop. And it's it's like so like it's such an interesting difference, you know, in him. Yeah, it's like it's like he has vulnerabilities in in the people that he chooses to trust and the people that he chooses to love. And so he doesn't feel like he needs to be full strength with them. So like with the job thing, he felt like he helped build that place. Exactly. Yes. And they- and he was strong enough to be that guy, you know? Yeah. He had the conviction, the dedication, the drive to do that. And then but... they give him the, the, the shittiest card ever about his dad dying. And, uh, and he sees where he actually stands and, and it was beyond hurtful for him it was and now he doesn't i don't know that he feels like he needs to to have guards up with with kate and and at least at least they're very familiar guards you know with, with his brother and sister very true let's get in a little bit with his with his brother kevin we pick up with kevin and zoe and you know it was interesting that he had this little premonition dream of of kate sort of crying at his premiere and jack straight up sleeping you know like to me it felt a little bit like um Kate's probably going to be in some some kind of mess, right? Yeah. And Jack, on the other hand, 
I don't know. To me, it really makes me feel like he may not get the um, the validation that he's really looking for. Like, I want to say that's what Jack's sleeping oh, represented. That's, that's really good. I, you know, I'm bad with symbols. So uh, that sounds really good, though, because the whole do serious people take me seriously thing and still looking for that validation. And that one little clip, I think it was from the from the dream sequence of him running through the battle scene was yeah. the cheesiest looking thing ever. Thank you wasn't for it? saying that. I felt the exact same way. I was like, this seems like I don't know if it's the lighting. I don't know if it like it seems like we filmed this in our backyard. <laughs> like and obviously, I mean, there's no lack of production value for this show. So it's like, I mean, were we supposed to get that? I am going to say yes. So what does it mean? Is it not going to be critically acclaimed? It may mean that he's scared of how it's going to, how other people are going to see it. Ah, okay. I'll go with that. Well, speaking of who's not going to see it, we have that, that scene in bed with Zoe and Kevin where he's trying to kind of build up the guts to ask Zoe to come to the premiere I felt a little surprised that it was like that was a step too far because we know they've been sleeping together all summer. We know that they're obviously in bed together and she's doing something that is a very like, uh, how do I want to say? Like, I don't think you do with casual dates. Like if you're with a casual situation, I think you have sex and they go home. Maybe you do like one or two other things. But the idea of laying in bed together and sort of doing work and, you know, that kind of stuff like that seems much more settled in, much more comfortable. Right. You know, with the other person. And so I was a little surprised that this became like you, we're not even close enough to to have you give me an airport. Uh, you know, um, ride. Were were you expecting her to rebuff him like that? No, I mean, because it felt kind of textbook for, um, I don't know, just today's woman to, to, <laughs> to kind of define the these very strict boundaries or whatever. Uh, I definitely so. felt like that. It, it echoed Beth's warnings. Yeah, but in a, like I said, in a very textbook kind of way, like, oh, well, you said she was going to, you know, chew him up and spit him out. So this is her starting to kind of kind of dance and 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 say, you know, this is too much. And but I don't know, we've, we've seen this character kind of do this stuff before and then we know that they go to Vietnam. So it's like it's a little uh, weird. Right. And again, it kind of begs the question about the flash forwards and then the working backwards and like that. Is it going to continue to have the same weight for us viewers when, again, we know she goes to Vietnam with him? So this whole concept of like, we're going to keep this super shallow. We know she doesn't stick to that already. So it's a little hard to sort of deal with it, you know, moment by moment. I, I I wondered, um, you know, Kevin received a basket, um, you know, like a like a good luck basket. I assumed that was maybe from the studio. Right. Um, I it did have the wine in it, and um, that did give us this extra flashback to teenage drunk Kevin and you know dad cheering at the football field. I thought it was kind of clever how they had him do his arms up in the air like cheering fans. And then they sort of morphed that later into another flashback where God knows why he would have wandered into the auditorium. I, I was thinking that it was a little like maybe he should have had a reason to go in there. Like, I'm not sure why a drunk teenage boy would find himself going into the auditorium. Yeah. But I kind of liked how they um, they managed to link, like needing the accolades from the sports field and being able to find that on the stage. That was a good connection. Mostly I was just thinking, you know, we were teenagers in the 90s. They locked that shit, you know? <laughs> that too. Amen to that. They absolutely do. Um, before we leave Zoe too quickly, I do want to ask you a question. 
So Zoe is watching from afar when he is on the red carpet and she does, you know, do like a little like reconnaissance and does go ahead and watch it. You know, it's not like she's oh so busy. In fact, she seems like she's kind of neglecting her duties at the sound mixing booth in order to watch this. Now, when she sees him have a conversation with old Mario Lopez and he essentially denies having a relationship. He's like, I'm just solo. Well, he did it in a way that he said something very... Um, like a little coy, right? Yeah. Like not not like the coyest thing in the world. He's just like, nope, just me tonight. Some Something along those lines. Not so... As if to say... Maybe other nights there is other somebody Other nights here. may be different, but tonight it's just me. So then what do you think motivated her to text him and say, I expect you to be prompt to pick me up at the airport? Easy. She at least wants to be uh, the person mentioned in those things, even if she can't be there. Okay, but she not... she. This is a new feeling for her. She couldn't not be there in sense of like, I mean, I know she was planning to go to Chicago, so don't get me wrong on that. But she she didn't say, oh, I would love to go with you, but I can't. I have to go to this sound mixing thing in Chicago. She said, it's too early. We're keeping it casual. And anyway, I'm going to Chicago. That feels different to me. Well, I don't know. You know, you see your your uh, was a little like, built like a truck booty buddy on TV talking to Mario Lopez. Say, um, yeah, nobody. I'll check you later, Mario. So you think it was a little like pee on your territory? A little, yeah. Ah, intrigue, intrigue. I like that. You know, I saw another person um, comment. I, I think it was on Twitter that said something like, "You know, I wonder if she suddenly got a little more interest after seeing him be a little successful. Like, it's one thing to sort of have your guy be an actor and be sort of like working on stuff, but it's another thing when you then see him on the red carpet. Does that suddenly, you know, raise his status and make you be like, hold up, hold up, hold up? Maybe we are." together do you think it was that shallow or do you think it was really coming from that you know no actually i think maybe i do like this guy i think it's more like she really does like him she has kind of a an impressive job too it's not as high profile but she still gets to do some kind of exclusive kinds of things whatever that shit was she was doing not everybody gets to do that you know what i mean exactly yeah she uh, seems to have her own world and she's well aware that he's the Manny and and that he was on a Ron Howard film and all that. So Very true. Okay, so this is just not new information. Not new. Just the seeing him say, nope, I'm alone. Okay. All right. So I'm going to back up a little bit before red carpet and go over to the blow up at Kevin's because, um, you know, we pick up with them with this Lyft driver talking about IVF, really like expositionally laying it out there again. I don't want to tell my mother. Here's why I don't want to tell my mother. Don't bring it up. Kate is not ready to have any kind of conversation with Rebecca about this. Do you feel like that was a fair representation of like where a couple might be? Well, it's very personal. I mean, uh, I've told you in confidence and in other situations before, and I'll just tell the podcast listening public that I hate telling people my plans. I only tell people my plans if I'm already like 80% sure it's already done, you know? (laughs) So uh, the idea of telling everybody about IVF before we've even harvested an egg or anything like that is like... um, you know, we could decide tomorrow, actually, no, we're too scared. We don't want to do it or whatever. And then we've we've gone through all of this for nothing in terms of like this emotional turmoil and all that shit. And see, I'm such a different person and I can't even call it a guy girl thing because Kate's like the opposite to me. I would feel like I would want the support of of my my family. And I guess if I they would, were going to give support. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I guess um, it's. It's so hard for me to relate to this idea that like, you know, the mom would just be automatically against it. Like, I wonder what motivates her to think that Rebecca would be automatically against it. You know, I mean, because we don't have any of the background that we we do get here with Rebecca and she does just cliche head down that road of being anti the situation. But how we get there um, with that whole pudding moment with Miguel Oh my God, how classic Toby was that? 
Mikhail's like, I love this pudding. I'm a heroin addict. I thought that was so funny, so Toby. And so when we did have that moment prior where he is having the shakes and the withdrawals, it was really achy because it was like, oh, please don't let these be the last really good jokes that Toby tells because he's so funny and he's so right on, you know? Yeah, I mean, that... that Toby's little up and down journey this episode is is uh tough to watch because he does still have some of the jolly toby in there you know he does it's just starting to wear off okay so rebecca cannot let this freaking stuff go at this point and this is the first time in my recollection that she uses the phrase someone of your size i guess they've never really talked about kate's Wait, I mean, imagine being Chrissy Metz and having to, I mean, you are this big. You're not wearing a fat suit. Know. You know? And so everyone's got to say, oh, that take didn't work. Let's go back to the part where they're talking about your size and go, you know, like. Chrissy Metz did play a character previous to this on American Horror Story where she was in a freak show for her size. Yeah. And so, I mean, the actress as you know, as a choice here has decided to, you know, I guess embrace her size and recognize that there are roles that can only be played by certain people. It's the same as being maybe very short or very tall or, you know, whatever your ethnicity is or whatever, and like sort of playing to your niche, you know? Yeah. So in a way, I, I, I feel like maybe it's okay. However, obviously this is not a freak show situation where someone's pointing and you're playing a character. This is a lot more, you know, close to real life. You know, this, this is something where Chrissy Metz herself may be going through this, you know? Yeah. I, I do appreciate Miguel in his nonstop attempt to, to be something other than the bungling stepfather, but Good God, can the man never find his way? I don't know. I can't fault him for trying. I can't fault him for trying. But did he succeed? He was never going to. I mean, Kate said, whatever you got to say, just say it. And then everything unfolded from there. So this was about the friend Carol and then the twins, Eloise and Plaza. Yeah. Crazy names. Terrible names. (laughs) That was so funny by Miguel. It did give a little comic relief and... You know, this entire conversation continues at Kevin's house and Toby, who's just freaking over it, is just ratcheting it up. You know, I mean, he's just starting to get like went from like a two to a 10, you know, pretty darn quick. I do want to, again, sort of focus on that line that that Kate says where he says, "I no, I, I believe this build up part where she says, I want to see Toby. I want to see myself. I want to see dad and our children. Now, if she had just, for the love of God, left it at that, I feel like everyone could be like, I get you, girl. I got your back, right? Yeah. But that last line of I'm the only one who is going to carry on a piece of dad. Why? Why, Kate? Why do you have to act like that? You know? That's that's part of... Kate that I can't uh, makes me not really like her, you know, as, as like a as a human is this victimy way that she kind of or just like her her absolute like lack of understanding. It's like her complaining at brunch, you know, after Madison like spent all that time and everyone's there to celebrate you, and then you need to take this moment to blow up at everyone, you know? Yeah, it's just like come on, Bubba, come on. And not only that, but um, it's Kevin's premiere party. Like, what are you doing even talking about all this so far? So do you think that that her saying that, does that seal the deal that Kevin, especially saying Kevin's saying, it makes me want to barf later when he's on the red carpet talking to her. Does that seal the deal that Zoe and Kevin are absolutely going to get pregnant? And it'll be an accident and we, you know, it'll just happen naturally and easily. That's a pretty good guess. I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of, yeah, that makes a lot of narrative sense, I would say. Uh, well, it's like life's a bitch, man, right? Like, once again, it's just going to be nail and Kate's, you know, victim coffin for sure. 
Now we have the massive Toby freakout we have to talk about. And I do have to ask you, Paul, did you feel it was out of line? Did you actually think it was just out of character for Toby? Oh, I don't think it was out of line. It's tricky for a for a husband to tread into a battle between a daughter and a mother. But the question at hand did involve him. He's the one that's going to have to go home and deal with Kate after this. You know what I mean? Yes. So he should just sit back and let her take these well-intentioned but but emotionally painful uh, comments, one after the other, he, despite the fact that no matter what she says, Kate's not going to change her mind. So Rebecca's just going to keep throwing them at, there, at her. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't blame him. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was actually pretty justified. I mean, I agree that it was out of out of character for Toby, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it was not really out of line. I mean, he really just said this is about Kate and I and our family planning. And, you know, we accidentally had a, a piece of evidence here. You know, but, you know, that would be like if the little basal body temperature thermometer chart was left out and someone saw it. Like, it's really none of your beeswax, Ramona, you know, butt out. I, I really liked his comment about, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but was it was something like keep it down from the cheap seats or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I, that was a hell of a way to walk out of that room. <laughs> <laughs> I very much appreciate that, too. What a um, what a sort of twist that we have at the end here where, you know, we have Toby not making it to the premiere in time to give Kate her shot. I'm dying to know what the hell he was up to. I'm guessing he was just walking. I mean, he said he was trying to clear his head. You know, I mean, they drove to the premiere and he was walking. So, or I mean, we can assume, I guess he could have taken a lift or something, but do you think there's something more sinister? Are we going to go back on that night? I'm curious now. Just, just how, how it would be that he would lose track of time. Do you think he was eating somewhere? Well, he's never said that he was not going to eat, did he? I mean, I'm not sure what vice he, he could be violating that he's ever said that he wasn't. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think there's in. a general sense that, you know, eating your emotions is a kind of a sad no. For yeah, that's him, true. Right? That's true. Like they're not really supposed to do that. But I mean, I I like the 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 little question mark about like, is there a little gap in time there that maybe something was happening I mean, that would be worth interesting? If he's depressed, could be eating, could be like sleeping or or something. Sleeping yeah, just. Ooh, is that a thing? If you're going through withdrawal, would you just like curl up somewhere? Wouldn't you? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know either. It's it, but his problem is depression, right? Mm. So really, anything. Well, I find that fascinating, Paul. We'll definitely look forward to seeing if they like revisit this or don't. You guys give us some feedback if you think are they going to revisit? Or are they not? They may never show it, but it may be like another episode later, and they'll be like, "Yeah, this is like at the premiere," and then he'll mm. he'll say whatever was you know. Very, very interesting. Well, his lack of attendance does create the situation where Kate is getting all wigged out and Rebecca does finally pull through as mom. Yeah, gives her the shot. Uh, now, I would like to say that they did uh, la last week. I did point out the fact that I felt like they didn't really give full body shots to Kate. Um, and and specifically in this episode, when Zoe and Kevin were in bed, they were doing full ankle to tippity top of the head on a pretty scantily clad Zoe. Um, not that it was like not a tasteful nightgown, but it was a little nighty, right? Kevin was shirtless, all that kind of stuff. Everybody was a lot. There was a lot of skin, right? Mm -hmm. So the thin fit people had a lot of skin showing. As opposed to, for the most part, we don't get that kind of stuff. And in fact, we got sort of like this big, um, you know, reveal about what Toby was wearing and Miguel. But they very much kind of quietly were like, should I wear this hat or not wear this hat? But again, it was like a very about this part, you know, your chin up kind of thing about Kate. They did show she was just wearing sort of a big black dress. They didn't really show anything. It was pretty shapeless, kind of nothing really of 
huge interest. Um, she did end up wearing a coat that had a lot more interest to it. But I thought when when Rebecca was giving her shot, the the leg. Now, I don't know that it was actually Chrissy Metz's leg or if it was somebody else or even a model because they did the like shot into it. You know, so it could have been a fake leg, I guess. Right. But it it wasn't perfect. It looked like it could be somebody who is heavier's leg. That's the first time we've seen up to like her knee, you know, and and I, I'm a little hopeful that I mean, there should be times when we should see her getting dressed and it shouldn't be easy to to put her shoes on. It shouldn't be easy, you know, to do some of these things. And okay. I think they should be kind of real about that, you know. Uh, I mean, it is, it is TV. And so it's not like there's a standard against it. It's just, I think they're more like, is going to be a pushback uh, against it. Someone, someone's going to be first though. Right. And, and uh, treat people of various body sizes, the same as they treat everybody else. So it seems to me again, like, I mean, if if her weight was not an ongoing plot point, then I would say, like, say she was just a successful whatever and had a family and she happened to also be heavy, I would say, no, they shouldn't put any big attention on this. But if you're going to make it that her whole life's drive and everything surrounding it revolves around her weight, it seems like you should talk about her weight at other points in time. You know, in her daily life, does it affect her being able to drive a car? Does it affect other things? You know, like give a little reality check to all of us about what exactly she's dealing with. You know? Yeah. I don't know. That's my point of view. Now, when we have Rebecca and Kate doing this hormone shot, we finally get a moment of clarity here that Rebecca was very aware of Kate's weight gain. And in fact, Kate, as a teenager, had that moment where she really looked at Rebecca and said, I've gained 25 pounds. And she seemed to look at her, to me, with a yearning to be parented. Right. Yeah. Why else would you say that right then? if Unless you were looking for someone to say, that's okay, or, oh, I didn't know. I... I how would how can I help you? See, I think it was the latter, right? Like, I don't think you want that person to necessarily say everything's okay, but it did seem like she was checking in. Yeah, you know, like a little kid would be like, "Do you know what this mark is on me?" You know, like right. you don't want to say my body's different and something's something's not so good about it. Kind of, what's your input? How do you feel about the way that Rebecca? essentially commiserated with Kate and just ate the cookie with her. It was the easy way out. It was the fork in the road. It was one of those decision points that leads to a parallel universe where Kate's a, a smaller sized person than she is in our universe, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for, for Kate, I really feel like I appreciated that, you know, once again, we've had multiple sort of, um, unloading moments between her and Rebecca. And this was another one concerning her chief, um, you know, issue that they continue to come back to, which is her weight. And Rebecca saying, I'm apologizing to you. I, you know, you were a teenager. I was an adult. I should have stepped in. I should have gotten you the help that you needed. It is interesting to me that she did acknowledge to Randall that she saw Kevin drinking and she saw Kate eating but what you going to do? It seemed a little like, uh, I mean, I, I. Right. If you're not going to do it, nobody's going to do it. Well, and not only that, but like, well, even if you weren't the one to maybe sit down and talk to them, don't you think you ought to seek some counseling for them or, you know, another adult to ask them to help out, you know? Right. Like it, it seemed like it was a strange answer even though she was struggling it seemed like a strange answer to just sort of be like everybody's grieving you know so we just gotta just let the chips fall where they may it seemed a little not she didn't want to make her feel worse 
But, oh, no, no. I feel okay about the fact that she didn't like yell at Kate or something like that. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that she totally already acknowledged and knew about it with Randall and sort of was okay with not seeking any help. I mean, for God's sake, at the very least, you could call like the school counselor and be like, could you call them down and speak to them individually? You know, like, I mean, seems like there'd be something you could do, right? right. Just to throw them a throw them a, a life preserver. You know, you may not dive in and be able to swim them back, but could you throw them a floaty, you know, like something? So this was a rough episode, I feel like, when it comes to Rebecca. And I mean, of course, a much, much rougher episode when it comes to really all of the kids. Because, you know, yes, we see the fallout for Rebecca for sure. And this was the most candid we've really seen with her saying she can't get out of bed. Yeah. You know, this kind of stuff. This is it's the- stuff we kind of assumed. I don't know that I, I don't know. I don't know if I assume, I think I, I, but I can understand, you know, for sure. So far, we're two episodes into this season. We have had last week's premiere, which didn't really pack the emotional punch of the previous couple seasons premieres. And so this episode is pretty emotional and it's, it's also, potentially a a fork in in the in the path between the siblings if randall takes this lack of acceptance that he feels and goes in this totally other like different direction toward philadelphia in specifically um i mean that both like kind of emotionally and probably physically um how do you feel this all measures up to the to the this is us you know lineage so far do you think it fits in do you, or do you think actually it's lacking or do you think we're heading off in a totally different direction than we should i mean i think it completely fits in i feel like you know they're giving the realism that we've all come to expect i think that each of the siblings are having their own issues that are relatable in their own ways. And I mean, I think that we're going to continue to see the this devolving situation with Randall. But I really do take to heart that whole, you know, intro, the 20th Century Fox intro, as if this is when the whole story for this season is about to start. And you're, you're really about to see this like unfold. And I'm looking forward to that because I think that it's time for some of these things to finally get some, some like forward motion, you know? I, I agree that like, I'll back up what I said about, um, the first episode just wasn't, wasn't as gut punching as other premieres, but this episode feels right in line. It feels very premiere like though too, right? Like almost like we picked up right kinda, where we yeah, left off. So kinda, yeah. it's kind of interesting. I wonder what that first episode of this season set us up for that we may be overlooking. Maybe we're not, maybe we're going to catch it by the end of the season when we look back and say, Oh, I see how that was, you know, going to get us there a little bit. It felt like the last episode of last season, you know, or, or an entire recap season in many ways. Like we were still tying up so many loose ends to get us here, you know, with Deja with establishing Zoe and Kevin, you know, even uh, Kate and Toby sort of, you know, we had their wedding night and then getting to this. It sort of seems like now this is the first episode of this season, you know, where we actually kind of are jumping more into the story. It, well, it's going to depend on, for me, what Randall decides to do at this point, given, you know, I think I think hearing through Kevin just blurt out what Kate said in this very insensitive like can you believe she said that as if i couldn't do it you know what i mean yeah that's the thing i think he said it in a way that was never taking randall into account right and then he looks over at kate and she gives this given what he's just been told like this and this pandering gross like kind of kind of wave and (laughs) and smile you know sure if i was randall i'd be thinking like you're smiling at me, but but I know the way that you really feel about me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And 
So I can't trust that smile. I can't trust anything about the way that you you are showing me the way that you feel about me because you feel obviously Different. secretly s- some other way. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I really look forward to what the rest of the season is going to bring us and how the dynamic of the Pearsons as a whole is going to change. I think it is. I think, and that's what makes this feel more premiere than last week is because May, you Things know, they are a changing. Yeah, last week didn't really set any anything in motion. Where this week definitely feels like, like Caroline mentioned, with the fanfare playing, then you know the the prologue is potentially over, and and uh, now we get to see what's going to happen this season. Absolutely. Well, you hope you guys will watch along with us. You can. Tweet with us on Twitter at Daily Review or hit us up over on Facebook at Daily Review. And Monday and Wednesdays on uh, SMS Radio TV Talk with Jay and Mike, uh, com. We are the official co-hosts for Monday and Wednesday. So come check us out there also on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks guys so much. Thanks. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.